Well, praise the Lord. Jesus is good. I love this. One of my good friends, Eric, always says, there's a few things we always know. God reigns and Jesus saves. And he rules on a throne of justice and righteousness. Well, this morning, I want to just get straight to it. Um, first of all, I just want to welcome you. I, uh, I, I want to do two things in addition to what both Sister Paula and Brother Andrew um, shared. Number one, we really want to be doubly intentional on a next step of connection. So if you're here in person um, and then you've never connected, whether it's, uh, I just got a sign up for email just recently. Someone's like, I want to be on your emails. Um, if you're not in our database and not connected with us as it pertains to events, prayer meetings, discipleship groups, etc., um, please just go to our website from your smartphone right now, cornerstonesm.org. It's very easy to just sign up and hit an email to our front office and say, I want to I I participate. And I just echo what, what Paula shared. And, you know, um, in, in many ways, it's like, Yay, everyone gives a huge pat on the back. We made it through 2020. But now we're in 2021, and Jesus never said it's like going to get easier. And so all the more we need you, we need each other. And so it's almost like, I don't know how much hotter the fire is going to get. Probably hotter. I don't know how much more the ground's going to shake. Probably more. And so either we go and live as ostriches and bury our head in the sand or we sign up again and press into Jesus and uh and and honestly honestly and in participation in a local congregation um it's so funny I, you know we're in this you know the national narrative this whole season of election and, and COVID and not just national but global uh, narrative, and it's so easy to get lost in the global and the in the macro, and then we just live distraught, dis- 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 discouraged, depressed because we can't, we don't feel like we can do anything in the macro. But then Jesus is like, "But I've called you. If if I am if I am the rule, if I'm the one you're to imitate, then the incarnation." still speaks today. You've got to be tangibly present in a location with a specific people to whom you are accountable that you can grow and serve. And I'm not saying some of you are like, well, it's not Cornerstone. Well, that's fine. Find a place if you're online, please. Even if it's a group of friends at a coffee shop, I've just been so struck with how easy it is to feel powerless in this global national thing But then Jesus is like, but I've called you to be present to my presence with a specific peculiar people that you can serve with, that you can be accountable, you can confess and conquer sin with, you can learn to grow and use your gifts with, you can participate in a kingdom family. So even if I'm just giving myself a pep talk, I've, I've, you know, I've been doing all this content and I'm going to continue. Content matters discipleship, teachings, worship times, prayer times, I'm never going to stop. But just there's this ache in my heart that if it's not tethered to a people with whom there's follow up and follow through, it feels like it just fizzles. How many would say that at times you feel a little bit content overload? You feel like a content glutton. Okay, I'm the only one. Whether it's podcasts, news cycles, social media, And then here's the unique thing as a pastor, because I want to speak to so many issues. 
but I genuinely don't know where like the thread of truth is located. Anyone ever feel like, gosh, I actually don't know which stream to listen to. I don't, come on, every hand should be raised. And so, you know, I want to speak to this, and I'm not afraid. Let's talk behind closed doors. But I genuinely, when an event happens, let's just take the capital event. Within seconds, there are four opinions on what happened. I'm de- I am dead serious. This stream says they incited it, them, them, them. And then you go to your friends on social media, and that four opinions becomes 50 opinions. And then 10 million opinions, and you're like, I really want to speak, come on, because how many know you are acquitted or condemned by your words? That's what Jesus said. So let them be few, let them be true, let them be anchored in my kingdom reality. Come on, somebody say amen. And so it's not that I'm up here, because I'm not. I am not paralyzed by fear. But I want, I want to be, because I'm going to be held accountable for my words. So when issues, I'm just picking the, you know, the capital event that happened on January 6th. I want to I speak to it. I want to speak to issues, but I want to speak, uh, genuinely, my wife and I were watching a few YouTubes in bed last night, which isn't a good practice. Don't do what we did. <laughs> you know, of this cultural commentator who's weighing in on opinions, and he's super sarcastic, so it kind of comes not really, tr- come on, someone, how many know sarcasm, it's never really helpful in the end. It can be funny, and you can laugh it off. <laughs> But it's so tricky. How many would say that, that, that navigating to find the truth is a tricky quest in our day? It's, I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Come on, somebody. Truth is capital T truth that exists in the person of Jesus Christ and his kingdom and his cross and his covenant. So we're not talking about where do I find that truth, but when it comes to cultural narratives and commentary, it's complex, I hate, I don't, I don't want to use that word. It's tricky, I try to teach my kids. It's sticky, it's ooey, it's gooey, it's messy. All the more to just stop right now, take stock with how much time in your day and your week you're allocating to the plethora of voices and opinions. Now weigh that upon your time in the scripture. And then I would say even maybe more importantly, your time in the scripture in accountability and in connection to the body of Christ where you're working out what it actually means to obey it. How many would say they need to realign or adjust course as it pertains to those things we're entertaining with our hearts and it doesn't, no, I'm sorry, with our minds and how many know your minds goes to your thought then into your emotion and then eventually it can change your heart so that you become like what you ingest. So if all we're doing is ingesting fear, hate, narrative, skepticism, cynicism, come on somebody, criticism, um, cynical, sarcasm, eventually you become that kind of person. And how many know that that is not the salt that preserves a decaying culture? That is not a light that when the nations see it, they arise and they come to the brightness of your glory. 
And it's time not to be condemned. Chatty is talking to himself here. But it's time to shake ourselves off of the junk and the gunk, not in positive self-talk, and to anchor our reality in Jesus and his word and his kingdom in a local commitment to obey Jesus, no matter the cost, with a few other people who can cheer us on when we make it, who can lift us up when we fail or fall, and we keep moving in line with his spirit. Let's go. And then here's, what, here's what's so, so comforting to me. He just got the joke, I guess. Come on, Paul. Brother Paul with the late laughter. Hey, better late than never. I love you, Paul. You are a man of God, dude. Amazing man. But here's the reality. As I was thinking about this talk and I was thinking about the, the complexity and difficulty of navigating what is true, what is not, what is, what is this, I was thinking, I'm so thankful for Jesus. Shocker. Here's why. For, well, get your pencils out. Here's the reasons I'm thankful for Jesus. What I love about Jesus, because he's truth all the way down, right? He's not like, what I love about Isaiah 11, that sevenfold spirit that rests upon the Lord's anointed, is he doesn't change his narrative based on what he sees, what he feels, what he thinks. Come on, somebody. He's got the wisdom of the fear of the Lord, the knowledge of God, the counsel, all the might, all the seven characteristics. But then he goes on in Isaiah 11, prophetically declaring what the Messiah will walk in, is he's not going to change his opinion on what is right, what is wrong, based on what's happening in his contemporary culture. Come on. He's not going to judge even by what he sees. He's judging. Listen, he's the creator. You think the creator. Listen, who are you going to call when your refrigerator breaks down? I'm going to call the manufacturer of the refrigerator. They made the thing. Jesus is truth all the way down. He knows how creation, and in particular, how his image bearers are meant to be rightly oriented and aligned to his kingdom, to his purpose, in relationship, in communion, and in community so we can fulfill his commission to flood the earth with his glory and make disciples of nations. Jesus knows all of that stuff, and so here's what I love about Jesus and his truth claim. Back to my whole introductory remarks. I'm driving, I'm like, man, I wish I could, I just, but I'm not, I'm actually not confident in my sources as it pertains to contemporary culture. But here's what Jesus can say. Okay, we're back to local body, commitment to each other, to Christ and his kingdom, mutual accountability, mutual support. How many think that this is a pretty good idea for the days we're in and entering into? This is very old. It's not a new, fresh, hip idea ancient but it's tested and it's true and it works and the result of which is a radiant church without spot or wrinkle okay so back to truth so jesus can say this this is the call of our hour jesus can say john 7 17 do you want to find out if what i say is true And if it comes from the Father, then do what I say and you'll find out the the merits of its truthfulness. In other words, if I try to live out of what media or culture or left or right in whatever form, 
If I try to live out that truth, it's not a guarantee that I get to the end of that narrative and I go, huh, yeah, that really was the best way to live. Oh, that really did lead to human flourishing. Oh, that really did lead to reconciliation amongst nations and enemies. Oh, that really did lead to a place where people could each have an opportunity to thrive, to succeed, to develop their potential. Oh, that really, no. There's a way that seems right to man, and if it ain't anchored in the truth, capital T, which flows from a person, capital J, Jesus, then that path will end in a, in a space or place called death or one of its myriad of, of, of manifestations. But Jesus can say this, and this brings me so much peace as a pastor and as a disciple of Jesus. Jesus can say, put what I say into practice you'll find out. Really, he only guarantees like satisfied customer. Like he's not trying to sell us something on the front end. Yes, he's like, come, follow me, repent. The kingdom's at hand. Enter into, be born again, not of the flesh, but of the spirit. And he, you know, all these great promises. But then he's like this, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, put what I say, how I think, how I act into your own life as the pattern of your own lifestyle. And then and only then will you come to the conclusion of, oh, this is really true. And, and I really love this. Tim Keller, the, the brilliant mind and, and, and I would say theologian, philosopher, whatever, etc. <clears throat> He says this, we're in a day where traditional apologetics, where you're trying to prove the, the, the sort of dot the I, cross the T, the, the truthfulness of truth claims, we're not even there anymore. We're in a day where people are so disenfranchised, anxious, worry, fear-ridden, they don't even, their first line of defense is not is what you say true, is it, it's what, is what you say desirable. This is Tim Keller, way smarter than me, so I'm quoting him at this point. He said that the, the apologetic of the hour is, is there a people who are giving allegiance to a truth claim, and does that truth claim infuse their life with something that's actually desirable? And then as they begin to go, oh my goodness, you forgive instead of retaliate. Uh-oh. You give, you're generous and hospitable instead of critical and closed off. You go two miles instead of one. You turn the right cheek and the left cheek. You've, this is weird. Before you come to a worship prayer service, if there's something you have against your brother, you don't even go to church yet. You go to their house, and then you have praise on the way and on the way home. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm just describing the Sermon on the Mount, which is the kingdom manifesto, Matthew 5 through 7. We're in a cultural moment where it's not even... Here's the 75 proofs of why that's true. That will always matter to in some way, shape, or form. Everyone say amen. The traditional apologetics will matter. The 150 reasons you can trust, the 150 psalms, the resurrection, the eyewitnesses. But we're in a day where people aren't even, like, obviously we're in a day where it's like, well, what about them? The YouTube guy, he said, that's why the apologetic of the hour is a people who orient their entire life around Christ, his kingdom, his cross, and his new covenant in the spirit. And as we live out and embody his claims together, the aroma of Jesus, 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16, can be released. To some, it's still gonna be the aroma of death. 
Come on, somebody. I can't change, I can't move the goalposts, I can't erase that truth, I can't make it more palpable. To some, it's still gonna be the aroma of death because they're still clinging to their own idolatry, their own, they're the sole source of truth and they're the ones that the, the story revolves around. But to some, it's gonna be the aroma of life. And I'd rather take the chances of becoming part of a body that goes after obeying everything Jesus says in hopes that the aroma that's released will at least mean hundreds, yea, thousands, even in this city alone, coming into the kingdom of Christ. So I have hope there. In the midst of the fogginess of what is truth and what can I trust and what, what's not an angle, what's not an agenda, what's not rooted in some weird closed meeting scheme, it, Jesus comes right into the midst of all of that mess and he's like, if you do what I say, you'll be in on a secret that the masses will never understand. You can only arrive at the confidence of building your life on a foundation that can withstand any storm, no matter how great the waves, how high the waves, how strong the wind, or how epic the shaking, your house will stand if and only if you put into practice what I say. This isn't revolutionary. This is like gospel of the kingdom disciple 101. But how many know, like I said last week, when you're in a storm, it's an invitation to simplify and what I'm so hopeful in 2021 is all the trappings, all the things I thought I needed to be successful or to be fruitful, the endless this, the endless that. What if it's like, throw it all overboard, let's get back to square one, simplicity, practice what Jesus says with others in the power of the Spirit for his glory, for the extension of his purposes in the earth. It's not like, what should we do? Now, there's still questions. We're in a, you know, pandemic, whatever, you say, even that, whatever you think about that. It's real. I know people. You know people. So it's, it's not like I'm saying it's simple is easy. But I'd rather really get devoted to a few things with others well than just sit powerless and impotent in the stands with so much confusion and never put my hand to any sort of plow. Are we happy? Just, I'm so happy. So, I have so much faith in my heart. There's, 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 no, there's, no, um, there's no telling how powerful it'd be if even in this group or those watching online, we have several watching this morning. There's no, there's no, I can't even quantify how powerful it would be that if one of our goals by the end of January is that each of us was in a group of at least two and even if we just said, let's go through a gospel, and every week, even if you're afraid to meet in person, check in online, what'd you read? How did it cut your heart open? How are you responding? How are we obeying all that Jesus taught? Even something that simple, you're like, that's not simple, I'm super busy. Well, then we need to have another talk about busyness and priorities and boundaries, etc. But I'm just saying, we're in a day where we don't have to be all that clever. We just have to be devoted and committed to the Lordship of Jesus, to his word. Okay, let's get into it. 
just, I have a few points. This is super simple. Not easy, but simple. The, the working idea today out of that long soapbox introduction is that there is power and provision that flows from obedience to the word of Jesus. You can bank on the power necessary and the provision that's needed tied to obedience to what Jesus says and what Jesus does. I love this. In, in Luke chapter 9, it's amazing. He, he calls the 12 disciples. He gives them, verse 1, authority and power over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sends them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And then he says this in verse 3, take nothing. Say that with me. Take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, not even an extra tunic or hat or shirt or coat, whatever a tunic is. I think it's a hat. So here's Jesus. It's amazing. What is a tunic? Somebody help me. I should know that. I think I study. <laughs> Thank you. It's a long shirt. Okay, praise God. Shawl, shoot. You think I would have studied. And obviously the most important thing about that passage is what is a tunic? Okay. <laughs> Not the authority, the anointing, the kingdom, the healing. Anyway, come on, somebody say. It's okay to laugh in the presence of God. Could use a lot more. <laughs> okay. Jesus. So here's this amazing moment. Jesus has just back to back to back to back four healings in Luke 8. I wish I could have preached more of Luke 8. So obviously he, st he stills the storm. And they're like, that's what I preached last week. Just go listen to the tape. Okay, then right after he conquers a natural storm, he's met with a demoniac that's only possessed by like 6,000 demons. Not a bad day. So listen, he conquers the storm with a word. And then he meets a man who's got a storm on the inside, and it's just a word. And then he meets a guy called Jairus whose daughter is dead, so now he's got authority over life and death. And then on the way, there's a woman who spent all that she had to stop her internal bleeding, but just one touch of the robe of Jesus, she's instantly healed. So Jesus has just modeled in four power-packed stories, according to Luke's gospel, I have authority over storms in the natural. I have authority over demonic storms. I have authority over sickness that no doctor can cure. And then ultimately, I have authority over life and death. I can raise Jairus' daughter. So Jesus is batting pretty good, four for four, just in one small excerpt of the Gospels, which get in the Gospels. I love all the Bible. Trust me, I love it all. Get in the Gospels. Get in the narrative. Get in the story. I love all of it. Get in the Gospels. So Luke 9, so, so Jesus is doing pretty well. And so he's like, everything you guys just saw me do, I'm putting on you and in you. How many of you, when you think of power, what do you think of? Show me. No, come on. Boom. <laughs> Right? We think like power, domination, like I'm going to win, I'm going to crush. Get out of my way. Right? Most of us, when we think about power, we think about it power over. Everyone say power over. So I have power. I'm over you so I can defeat you and crush you. So what's so significant, Jesus' power is not like that. He has power over, don't mistake me. 
But when he sends out his disciples, listen to like the dual nature of the commission. I'm sending you out with the same power and authority you just saw me in four consecutive stories over natural disaster, over demonic disaster, over death itself, and over sickness and disease. Now he's saying, go in that same authority and power. Preach the good news of the kingdom. The, 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 the rule, the realm, and reality of heaven is breaking in where you're ministering in my name and, and bearing the reality of my nature. You're walking in the power of my authority. That's where the kingdom's breaking in. But then here's what he says. On your journey, take nothing with you. You're going with all this power and authority, but here's how my kingdom works. You're going to go where you're welcomed and received. You are going to have a built-in weakness mechanism, not because, oh, you know, I just, because it, like built into my brilliance is you're not just going at people with power over. You're going to go where you're received because my kingdom ultimately is not just about a power demonstration. It's about wooing and winning the broken, crooked, bent and on itself, sinful human heart. And Jesus knows that for many of us, a power over strategy is not how to crack the shell. It's wooing, it's winning, it's drawing, it's, oh my goodness, I'm in the presence of the holy. I could never get to him. He came to me and he cracks open our heart through a demonstration of self-emptying sacrificial love. So you're going out with power, with authority, but take nothing with you. Go in a posture of humility. Go where you're welcome. Of course, dust off your feet where you're not welcome. Go to the next town. And so there's this, this, this commission is take nothing. The provision will be on the way of obeying what I've told you to do. Come on, someone say, the provision is found on the way of obedience. How many are like, I don't know if he's going to provide. And then your whole life story is one of scarcity and never seeing him provide because we never just take a step of obedience in the right direction. How many have ever seen that the path gets clearer the more you walk on the path? And so Jesus says, the, the power's promise, the provision, you're going to have to find out by testing my word. Come on. The power is promised. You just saw four for four, four miracle stories in one chapter. Now you go walk in that power, but take nothing with you. I got goosebumps. So they go and. They're reliant upon the hospitality of others. You know what else that does is it humanizes the whole experience. Come on, someone say, people are not projects. Come on, if I go taking nothing, then I am giving, I'm giving you dignity by allowing you to even welcome me into your house. So there's this mutuality. Come on, how many know Jesus wants to lift all people out of the muck and mire, wherever sin or generational hereditary brokenness or curses have brought people? Just the, the ability for the disciples to walk in power, but to be reliant upon the hospitality and invitation of others. You might think that's kind of smart. Come on, how many know? Because the way the kingdom works, it's always via partnership, receptivity, humility, mutuality. That's what's so, so, so leery of any sort of like power over, dominate, coerce. You need to build this, this, and that. It's not how the kingdom works. So they obey, and Jesus says, the power you can bank on, the provision you'll have to find out as you obey what I say. Come on, everyone tracking so far? So for this first story, it's take nothing. Say it with me, take nothing. take nothing. 
I mean, they're going with power and authority to heal and preach. I mean, it's not a bad scenario. You know the power. You just saw it. Provision remains to be seen. Go do it. Take nothing. Story number two, hurry up. Here we go. The day was drawing to a close. Very next story in Luke 9. Send the crowd away, the 12 said, so they can, they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside to lodge and get provisions, for we're here in a deserted place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. How do we know people always have a way of messing things up? But people will always be about what Jesus is doing. So get used to it. Amen? It's like I'm talking to myself right now. Jesus is preaching to me. Get used to it. Embrace the mess. Send him away. So first story, take nothing. Now in this story, Jesus allows them to share all the reasons they have for why they can't do what he's told them to do. Come on, somebody. How many have ever had those conversations with Jesus? I can't share this. I can't work this reconciliation. I can't make this happen. I, anybody else besides me? We have a litany of reasons of why we can't obey and accomplish what Jesus said we can actually obey and accomplish. First story, take nothing. This story, give everything. Say it with me. Take nothing. Now give everything. Do you think Jesus has an agenda for how he wants us to operate as kingdom disciples? Do you think he wants us to live with a perpetual front row seat that we can bank on if we obey it, he'll pull through? It may not be what we think or expect, but he will always make good on his word. First story, take nothing with you. This story, give everything you got, but it's only five loaves and fish. I want you to know that Jesus' power and provision and devotion to his purposes being accomplished dwarf every one of your but only. Let me say that again because only Lance got it. So Jesus' power, provision, and devotion to his kingdom purposes actually taking place will forever dwarf and eclipse all of our but it's only But I'm not a good talker, Moses. Perfect. You'll deliver a nation of maybe a million or two. Gideon, I'm hiding in a wine press. Perfect. You're a mighty warrior. Come on. Disciples, we're ordinary, uneducated, but we've been with Jesus. Perfect. Our but onlys are but only an excuse. Jesus just wants to set us up to have a front row seat to see how his kingdom really operates. It's not dependent upon us. It rests on his shoulders, but the way he operates is he includes us because he's good, because he's loved, because he's amazing, because he knows the human heart is starved for significance, for identity, destiny, and purpose. And so he lovingly invites us into this whole kingdom operation. How many of us are done sitting on the stands with our butt onlys? It's time to get into the crowd, to get into the mass, to get into the mess, and to just give them the loaves and fish already. 
taking the five loaves and the two fish, which was everything they had. He looked up to heaven and he blessed and broke them and he gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. All of them ate and were filled. And what was left over was gathered up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. So their lack, their excuses, their deep sense of being outmanned and outnumbered and under-resourced. Come on, am I talking to anybody in the room or online? (laughs) Ill-equipped, unprepared, not smart enough, not strong enough, not intelligent enough, not... On the other side of their give everything, there are 12 baskets. There's not even a place to put all of the extra when we just obey with what we have and put it into the master's hands. And the common element in both stories of the take nothing and the give everything is Jesus is sufficient for all things. Obedience to his word is the highest privilege of the human journey. Obedience is the highest honor. (laughs) To do what he says is the highest privilege. And if we set our hearts to bring a continual, perpetual yes to his voice, we can trust him to show up with the necessary power or provision, whatever the task, whatever the assignment, and whatever the season. Many of us spend more time worrying and strategizing and laboring over the fact of our lack instead of putting it in the master's hands and getting on with just simple obedience to his commission and to his instruction. And I say today on the authority of God's word, we can trust him. We can walk in his presence, experience his power, and realize when we give ourselves to his purpose, he always comes through. He's not promised really to bless anything else, like promised, how many would say today I want to live right at the crosshair of the take nothing and the give everything I want to live right at the center of a life that's yielded with a yes in my heart to what he says I can bank on and believe not just cognitively but with a faith that looks like something the the scripture Paul calls it the obedience of faith for those, of those who, in the church circles, we say, you know, faith is invisible. That's actually the furthest thing from the truth. Faith is always demonstrated with concrete action. Faith is actually always visible. I can tell what you're faithing in by the moment we hang out for coffee. Amen. And you could tell me. So it's not just I can tell. It's faith is always demonstrated through concrete action. Take nothing. You got the power, but you're going to see the provision. Give everything. You're under-resourced. You're going to see the provision. Just get it in my hands. And how many would say today, Chatty, we are in that scenario 
where the hungry masses are around us. It is unsolvable. It is unsolutionable. Listen, even the days that we're entering into with economic reality and fallout and now that renters need to pay, come on somebody, the needs are going to swallow us up. Unless we live with our gaze locked on the eyes of Jesus and just give him our loaves and fishes, no matter the season, circumstance, situation, or scenario, we can trust him to feed. We can trust him to provide. We can trust him to do what we never could do. He's just looking for us to do our part, which is to just get it in his hands. Your time, your treasure, and talent. He will not coerce you to give, but he wants you to give it to him as his offering, his rightful offering. Your time, your treasure, your talent. Your vocation, your job. He's given you those gifts, those talents, those passions, those abilities for a reason. Surrender, invite him into your story, invite him into that workplace, invite him into that hobby, invite him into that passion. Say, Lord, flood it with your presence and power and your purposes. And I love this, and this is a continuation and in closing of last week. Their perceived lack or inadequacy did not change Jesus' assignment for them. Duh. Like I said last week, when the storm hits me and my sense of inadequacy rises within me or how we go on, this is the hour we're in. The hungry masses, Jesus in Matthew's version says, they're harassed. How many believe that there is a culture just, har- just getting onslaughted? harassed by agendas and voices and their soul is like a rudderless ship and whatever makes them feel good in the moment, they bow that, to that idol or that altar. Come on, there's a crowd that's harassed and they're also helpless because when they listen to those voices, it doesn't lead them to a place of flourishing. It just drags them down further to death, darkness, and decay. And so Jesus is like, they're both harassed and they're helpless. They need a shepherd. They need a leader in their life. God's odds are always set up in such a way where he'll get maximum glory. He doesn't ask us, is it three to one? Is it five to one? Is it 10 to one? It's just he to one. I, you know, whatever. I just made it up on the spot. Stop it. And listen, we're not going to get there white-knuckled, fear-bound, anxiety-ridden. The take-nothing, he's going to call some of us to uncharted territory in our workplaces, in our family, nuclear families, in our friend circles, relational networks. He says, you can trust me. The, the provision is found along the way. To a large other amount of us, is we feel the needs around us. There's no way, there's no way, our inadequacy And the temptation is going to be to shrink inward, to hoard, and to harbor. But no one ever saw 12 basketfuls white-knuckling their way to glory. Come on. 
What if a move of both hospitality, wholeheartedness, holiness, hunger for the kingdom, and generosity seized the church in this epic hour when everything outside of us feels like it's pushing us further away on the margins, just stay hidden, stay silent, don't tell us about this Jesus. What if in that hour, it's not me, me, it's here's the loaves and fishes so we can see basketfuls of provision in our time for not just our lives, but for those around us that God has called us to love and to lead. And Jesus says, you want to know about my truth claims? The real way you'll know is if you'll obey them. And that's where we'll end. The only really way, if you're going to find out the validity of, or the validity of my claims is if you practice them. And I'm here to tell you, You and I are not meant to be commentators on the stands while a select few play on the field. We're meant to get out of the stands into the field of play and practice. So many of us, we can quote this or that. I'm talking to myself, I this or that. But Jesus is like the only ones who are gonna stand not just the storm we're heading into, but every storm after that, until the great day of the Lord, the ones who are going to be able to stand are the ones who are committed to practicing what I say. That's it. There is no other category, not those who even know the chapter and verse. You're not going to be able to stand. I'm sorry. The devil knows chapter and verse. Sorry. I'm not calling you the devil. I'm not calling me the devil. I'm just saying the demons even know there's only one God. The faith that is unshakable is a faith that has been activated with humble obedience and action. Just read all of James 1 and 2. So how many feel drawn into, whether it's the take nothing or the give everything, how many want to live at the crosshairs of that kingdom storyline? I want to live in it, guys. I, I love you. I, want to, I was supposed to be gone this week. I just felt like it wasn't time I want to see God do something. So many of you are so stinking faithful. Whereas maybe before, like church was about getting people plugged in as a cog of this machine and this wheel. This is not a machine. I want to become a family. You're not a cog. There's, listen, there are tasks. There's things to be done. But we're not interested in a cog and a machine. The, the, the call of the hour is to shift to become a kingdom spiritual family where we follow Jesus, fish for people as a family. You're not a cog. You're not a stepping stone to someone else's success. You are significant. You have a place and a part to play. Step in. I'm so serious. Like It's like God and his mercy has brought us through this long, windy journey as leaders and as pastors and as the church. And it's like we're just back to like following Jesus together, obeying what he says. Right? I mean, it's like... But that was always what he was offering. <laughs> we just weren't always interested or thought he wasn't serious. But I'm telling you, he's serious. He's serious. He is so devoted to the harassed, helpless masses that he would stoop to my level and say, Chatty, I've chosen you for this hour. He would stoop to your level and say, Debbie, I've chosen you for this hour. So step in. Step out of the narratives of fear, anxiety, and worry. Step into the kingdom of God. 
Step into the one that you can trust, whether it's the take nothing or the give everything. He'll show up if you'll practice what he says with others. How many believe the personal private lie of Western Christianity has gutted so many of us? Listen, our faith is personal, but it's not private. It's time. We need each other. Even just one other or two other, a handful, we need each other for the road ahead. Stand on your feet with me. I love you so much. I'm so thankful. Let's stand up. Let's close. Eventually, we're going to get to my four-part series of what Jesus does with the bread. He chose, he cho- or he took it, he blessed it, he broke it, and then he gave it. We're gonna eventually get to a four-part series, I promise, of what does it mean to be chosen by God? Blessed, broken, and given. Say that with me. Chosen, blessed, broken, given. Eventually, we're gonna get there. (laughs) Intro, intro. But just right now, picture yourself being that bread. Humble, simple, common, quote-unquote, but in the hands of the master, your material for a miracle. Just picture yourself like that, that loaf, just being taken into the master's hands. And right now, just say, Jesus, this week, I'm gonna practice what you say. Whatever it is, I just... I'm going to say yes. I'm not going to do it alone. I'm going to do it with a few others. I'm going to make the text. I'm going to make the call. I'm going to stay after service. I'm going to linger. I'm going to reach out. If you're online, you're going to send us an email. You're going to fill out a connect. Whatever it takes to get connected, we know we need each other on the road ahead. We've always needed each other, but especially now. So Holy Spirit, I pray for grace on our body. And I pray for grace on your body. That as we've been coming through this national, international story, it's important to be informed and, and to, 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 to understand what's happening. But Lord, I, I thank you that perpetually the word is an incarnate word. It needs to be enfleshed and embodied in a local place among a tangible, real people that we're accountable to and that we submit to in love. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking, I'm pleading that you would take us on a journey as a people. Take us on a journey in this room and those that would consider this their home online. Lord, take us on a journey in 2021. We pray in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray right now, I do not make light of the cultural moment of fear, anxiety, or worry. I'm just asking that the Prince of Peace would break into that storm right now in Jesus' name. I'm asking that you would loose your power, that you would loose all you need is a whisper when everyone's shouting and the storm is stilled. Lord, would you calm the anxious heart? Would you arrest, Lord, the heart that's just beating uncontrollably with anxiety, with fear, and with worry? Father, right now, we cry out in the name of Jesus that you would just come with your tenderness and your zeal and your love and you would say, this one's mine. They're mine. They belong to me. 
right now, I pray that this would just penetrate every heart in this room and those watching. I belong to him. I've been chosen. I'm his. And Father, I pray for that, that anointing and that authority to come upon your church that you, we just read about, to be ambassadors of this great kingdom of righteousness, truth, love, power, mercy, hospitality, generosity, compassion, justice. Lord, I pray for that anointing to rest upon us. And as you send us from this place, we'll find your provision along the way of obedience and practice. Send us in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, with such hope this week. Lord, an anticipation and a ticket to the front row of your provision and power. In Jesus' name, we all said amen and amen and amen. I love you guys. Bless you. If you need prayer.